0: This is the Mentors for Military podcast. Maybe it'll be good for you, Ian, to, to kind of share with the audience a little bit about your background, your history and stuff, what you might be doing now, because um, uh, it'll give them a chance to learn a little bit more about you.
1: Sure. Uh, so my is Ian Sturmbeck. I am the uh, owner and founder of uh, Rune Nation. I spent about four years in the Marine Corps in in infantry capacity. Uh, During those four years, I spent some time overseas. After I left the service in 2010, um, I immediately uh, went into college using my uh, GI Bill. Ended up graduating with my bachelor's in a uh, communication major with a concentration uh, in journalism and a minor in psychology. Uh, During that time frame, while being in college, I also worked for an exit protection firm in the greater Boston area, uh, protecting everybody from visiting celebrities and international dignitaries in the immediate area if they uh, needed something of that nature. Along with that, I also did the typical uh, bar door work in less than desirable areas of Boston. So that's where <laughs> I kind of saw the, uh, um, I guess, the normalcy of day-to-day criminal interaction. Yeah. And that's what kind of, um, spawned my, um, desire to really go full into the realm of offensive and defensive education for the average, uh, law abiding citizen, law enforcement officer, or even, um, uh, military. Um, so immediately when I got out of the military, um, I, uh, kind of did the very, uh, basic, firearms instructions because I was living in Massachusetts at the time. That's where I was born and raised. And in that state, um, they have very, we'll say, draconian gun laws. Um, And you have to basically uh, go to a specific firearms uh, basic class prior to obtaining your permit to carry in that state. So that's where I kind of started. And then from there, I kind of spawned into uh, where it is now in regards to my whole philosophy of when it comes to education is uh kind of uh drawing from the multifaceted techni- uh, tactician um so it's not just about the gun or the blade or having um good uh athleticism or knowing medical knowledge or having quality verbal acuity to somebody on the street it's an all encompassing skill set that is constantly evolving throughout your day-to-day life. Cause as we all know, we only have so much time to dedicate to those certain skills. Uh, but if you're able to, you know, at the minimum dedicate six months to each of those um, type of categories, um, you can kind of build yourself up to have enough confidence in those abilities where you're not just uh, putting out all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, which is what I see a lot of times in my space of, the firearms community where people are too dependent on the hardware i.e. the firearm in lieu of having the good software which supports the hardware Um, so that's where it kind of evolved to today and that is uh, my full-time occupation as of now
0: do you find that the market is kind of saturated i mean gosh there's so many people it seems like now that are in this space and i think it's becoming challenging especially former military uh, are are doing a lot of this and stuff, so I think it becomes challenging for the average citizen or for the individuals who may want to improve upon their skills that are looking for the right instructor and the right you know company or whatever to help them grow and I, at least I see that it 's kind of saturated in that way
1: a- absolutely um you You have a lot of guys that are now leaving the military, especially in the soft capacity you know, that have done 50, uh, 10, 15, 20 years with multiple, multiple deployments overseas. And now they're coming out and going into the private sector and taking all of this knowledge that they gained on these deployments or in their experiences with them. Um, so it, it definitely is um, challenging and it, and it um, honestly keeps you humble and makes you realize that you kind of have to always be on the ball and always um, looking for, avenues to improve yourself as an educator, as well as to be able to market yourself as well, being able to kind of stand out um, from the rest, so to speak.
0: How do you determine who's the right person or company to go with? And like, if I was out here wanting to learn basic uh, marksmanship or I'm wanting to advance my skills because I was in the military, but I only received the basic uh, components of it. And I want to learn more, especially for, you know, personal carry and everything. How how does one even identify who they're, who who someone, how somebody is qualified, you know, from somebody who's not qualified?
1: Um, So it definitely comes down to, especially in today's um, technological world where you're very easily able to go online and look at AARs of those specific classes and, um, or just going around and seeing if people have you know uh taking classes with x or you know that certain person and uh see their feedback um but when it, when it comes down to it in reality um you, you know you definitely in my opinion should be taking classes with um somebody who has served in a uh, law enforcement or mi- military capacity if you are looking to learn those um you know specific skills in an offensive or defensive capacity with that being said in no way, shape, or form, am I saying you should never take classes from competitive shooters because that's where you can really learn those finite um, fundamentals and mechanics and techniques, mm-hmm. and it's th- those are very easily to be able to be applied in a combative or um, defensive setting. Um, but the the reality is that. Uh, you know, definitely look for, you know, a quality resume of that individual, but that shouldn't be the only quality that you look for. Uh, because too often in this space, um, you have people that, um, as I talk about in a lot of my posts or my live videos or in past podcasts, that too many people rest on their laurels. And they're specifically relying on what they did in the past to determine who and what they can be in the future. So um, in, in my opinion, um, the person that you're you know, paying your hard-earned money for should be able to break down those skills um, and modify them specifically to you in lieu of just reading off of, you know, um, a specific checklist of what to go through. Uh, Because again, that's really the old school way of thinking. And thankfully I see less and less of that in this space. Uh, But you'll have it every now and again from um, guys who do have an an impressive background, uh, but they kind of lack the comprehension or the intellectual capacity to actually educate another, uh, person. Because again, you have people that learn, uh, by visual. So they learn by actually watching you perform the drill or watching other students perform the drill. They learn by, um, auditory. So they learn by listening or they learn by, kinesthetic so they actually learn by actually doing that specific drill so being able to understand that and apply the way that you educate your students in those three facets is going to set you up for success and unfortunately a lot of guys you know that have very well uh, well written backgrounds and have done impressive time overseas in in those capacities uh, they may sometimes not be able to break those down They're, they're very good at performing the drills Uh, But they kind of lack that idea of how to actually um, educate another person, especially in the civilian sector, because a lot of the terminology and a lot of the concepts that uh, they've learned, you also have to kind of understand, be able to break it down and modify it for the average law-abiding citizen because they don't know acronyms. They don't know certain terminology. So being able to flip that around and and modify it for them um, is going to allow you to have that returning customer.
0: Yeah, I can hear a lot of this stuff that you're describing. We share a mutual friend, Drew Estelle from Bear Solutions, who's been a podcast host on here and still is whenever he's available. And I can hear the philosophy just all the way through what you just described.
1: I I, I was actually uh, teaching with Drew uh, this past weekend. I I flew down um, to Clarksville um, Thursday, and I just got back on uh, Tuesday, and uh, it was – extremely hot yeah way <laughs> more hot than i was expecting i <laughs> like, saw
0: your uh, post about how like within 10 minutes in the humidity oh, okay. got you and you guys uh had taken was, your second shower uh just, yeah
1: it was yeah. it was horrible like i haven't been that like it's just <laughs> oppressive and, and and then of course when we when we went on uh when we went on uh for campbell there to uh to go to his uh jujitsu gym and his actual gym that he works out at of course you know typical military none of the eight uh the air conditioning work so that was fun to deal with as well yeah. so not, not only is it super oppressive heat but then you're basically standing in a metal box sweating even more so
0: oh, that's always fun. love it love it good training right absolutely the difference here is bram do you get an opportunity over in australia really to do any um, you know small arms training or uh, go to ranges or anything like that in order to become a little bit more proficient for the average citizen
2: it's it's you know what i'm listening to all this and, and i'm you know Mars will be on Mars. It's completely different, completely different environment for us. Um, yeah, there's 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 none of that.
0: Yeah, that's what <laughs> <And> I
2: mean. <laughs> we we talk about it a lot. I've, I've talked about it on the podcast a couple of times, and and um, you know the, the the fact that our gun laws are, are so much different. Um, other than the fact that there's a you know billion dollar industry that's gone begging, um, there is a different culture and different society. Uh, because of that, over time as well. So, um, you know, whether the argument is for or against guns, you know, I certainly don't want to get a, get, in, get into that with this I, audience. I you was going to say
0: that would be a that would be a long discussion for I, sure.
2: You know, a lot of my good friends, are USSF guys, and and you know, I, I listen to them make those arguments, and you know, it's it's philosophical in some regards. Yeah, um, and. You know, it's a different culture. It's uh, you know apples and oranges. Um, but I think that uh, you know what you were talking about before, and you know that that mastery. You know, uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that some people probably would be a little bit old school in the way they teach, and perhaps aren't. Perhaps they don't take a holistic view of uh, what is to have a mental, um, you know, combat mindset. And certainly, there's some target. You know, shooters out there that I've come across in my life and I'm a, I was a sniper instructor at one stage and I've come across some civilian target shooters that are a lot better, you know, a lot better at the discipline than, than what I was. But um, it's when it comes down to everything around planning a mission, you know, maybe, maybe in America, you know, just going down to the local 7-Eleven is a mission in some places. Absolutely. You know, planning that mission, having situational awareness, thinking of the second, third order effects of you doing something or not doing something, concealed carry or not, you know, getting out of your car on one side, doing your fives and 25s when you get out, you know, things that we would take for granted that you would do in Afghanistan. There's probably places in America where you'd, where you'd want to advise clients to do that. Um, and I'm sure that's got its place in Australia as well. If You you know, unfortunately, you're not going to be cruising around with a HK, and k USP or a Glock.
1: Yeah. As I've kind of learned over the years is that it's very easy to, or not, not easy, but it's a lot simpler to apply um, tactics afterwards, after those fundamentals and those mechanics are in place. So um, that's why um, a lot of guys that I've come in contact to um, in the soft community say a lot of times that their units actually send them to... Um, Courses where they're being taught by competitive shooters because again if that baseline or that foundation isn't in place Then all those tactics don't mean anything because again, if it's yeah, a the foundation then it's all fumble
2: yeah. and there's one thing that I've noticed, you know, watching watching Instagram uh, posts of guys who have got their own uh, You know businesses like yours and, and some of the more top-end ones as well and the one thing that especially from an SF perspective that, that we teach internally, is being able to shoot first, is being able to understand a threat and shoot first. But you don't have that same latitude as a civilian. You're not able to, you can't draw down on someone just because you suspect they've got a body bomb, you know, or something like that. And it's being able to, it's being able to, you know, there's a nexus there between actually providing lethal force in a war zone and doing it on a a street in a city Um, and being able to train people you know some due diligence there you don't want to be training people to you know to be going to one extreme
1: yeah it's uh you know ironically enough even though with with what i do and the skills that i teach i honestly hope that you know my, my students especially law-abiding citizens will never have to apply those skills and have to deal with the the aftermath uh, of a shooting because as we all know in today's day and age um you may you know eventually win in court but you know it's where Civil court is where you're going to get screwed and have to deal with probably a year at the very minimum, going back and forth and pay all those fees and deal with all you know the um, the the headache of dealing with that. So what I also teach is you know the pre-shooting or if or if a shooting doesn't even need to be applied, understanding how criminals work, how they go about to their quote unquote nine to five job understanding how to verbalize with that individual on the street that may be approaching you, understanding pre-assault cues or, as Drew puts, heuristic cues. So somebody approaches you, are are they showing you their palms? Are they scrunching their shoulders up or their eyes dilated? Simple things like that that, again, unfortunately, uh, not only do just people in general um, not take that for an understanding because, again, in today's society we don't want to get involved with – altercations in general like you see a lot of those uh world star hip-hop videos of people taking videos of fights on their cell phones and a lot of times you'll just see people like in a thunderdome circle around this person getting um assaulted mm-hmm. and it's because of this common terminology that's used in psychology it's called the bystander effect and that's basically where in an environment such as that somebody In a a group environment, people are expecting somebody else to jump in and do something, but in the end, no one ends up doing anything because everyone's expecting somebody else to do something because they don't want to get involved. They don't want to deal with, again, potentially getting sued or um, dealing with anything of that nature. So instead, they want to remove themselves and just be a viewer, um, however messed up
0: that sounds the bystander effect i totally get it because in today's society the first thing we want to do is whip out our iphone or our phone or whatever and start yep. recording what's going on so i mean i i could certainly see it too where you may have one person or two people that's standing there that may both be thinking the same thing about jumping in to try to help this person that's getting beat up or harassed or yep. whatever the case may be but then they don't know if they're going to fall into the same prey as the person that's getting beat up because no, who's going to then step forward once they step forward to help them out i mean You always want to go into a situation where you know somebody's got your back. Somebody's got your six. You're ready to jump into a situation. You know, my buddy's standing next to me. I know he'll at least come in there and, and, or he'll join me right at that same moment because we're both thinking the same thing. But if that's not there and everybody has the bystander effect, then it just becomes this domino of whatever individuals are beating up the one person. Now it becomes they're beating up two people and nothing changes. Oh, um,
1: 100 percent so it also just comes down to just the the confidence or the lack of confidence in your abilities um especially in unarmed contexts such as that um where i mean in this day and
2: age with the you know the prevalence of mma and Jujitsu, it doesn't matter what a guy looks like you don't know what he can do
1: absolutely and (laughs) I
2: i can understand a lot of people being nervous
1: yeah yeah especially where those those bad guys can very simply go on youtube and look at those you know, simple techniques of, of how to grapple. You don't necessarily have to – obviously it's better if you go to a school because you get quality knowledge. But it's very easy to take snippets offline and try to replicate that if, if, if you are the bad guy. Um, so that's why I harp on so much that uh, – utilizing a firearm is just one tiny snippet of that multifaceted skill set. Because, you know, I, I hear a lot in the space that I'm in, a lot of, you know, again, it's not so much, you know, with guys my age, but it's more the older culture of people on firearms of, you know, that they won't travel to this specific state because they can't carry their firearm. and In reality, I think that's just asinine and silly the the fact that you don't want to potentially you know enjoy life with you know a a vacation or time with your family or friends because you can't carry a gun I mean that's
0: What's the odds or percentages that you'll ever have to use that anyway? I mean, it's really small. Unless you're going into Absolutely. areas, it's going to be quite hairy. So to your point, yeah. you know, you've got to have more weapons at your arsenal. If you're walking into a combat situation with only one weapon at hand, just at some point you're going to run out of ammunition. You've got to know how to do something uh, at the moment that's going to save your life. And, and you've got to have those life skills, and that's what you're talking about. Something that goes beyond the single point of failure. You know,
1: absolutely. And, you know, regardless of what the biased media shows with um, how, quote unquote, prevalent violence is in our country, we we are we do live in a fairly safe country. Um, But to kind of go to the extreme of saying you won't go somewhere because you can't carry a gun, that's just so you you should have you, you should have those those skills that, you know, don't necessarily require firearms, such as understanding, like I said, verbalization um, having a baseline of athleticism, having those, you know, skills that don't require any type of tool. Because again, those skills, you don't need a permit for, you can always carry them on you and they don't run out of ammunition. But because it's not as quote unquote cool as going to the rain and going to a class, people don't want to do that because it takes effort. Um, it takes, um, obviously more time out of your day to do so. Um, and, Honestly, a lot of the classes that I do teach, the in, in, in my clientele that do take it, like especially with the carbine classes, um, I, you know, it is taught primarily in a you know home defense co- uh, context. But again, the the reality that an average law abiding citizen is going to utilize an AR fifteen in their home defense in, themselves or those that I love is extremely rare. But it's it's more than just the context. It's it's about building that confidence because because again, if they can run a drill and, you know, sprint from the 50 down to the five-yard line, engage targets, then transition from their strong to their weak side and get quality hits on target, then that business meeting that they have to go to on Monday that they're stressing about is, is going to be a breeze because they were able to apply those skills, obviously in a completely different context where we're talking about firearms and then a business meeting. But the, the carryover is still there in regards to building confidence. In, oh, and, totally. and, that's what, and And that's what I kind of feel – um that firearms do help in. Uh, obviously, the end goal is you know, and for what I teach in the protection of yourself and those of you love, or if law enforcement in defense of your partner., uh, but in the end, it's about building those that confidence because because again, if that confidence isn't there, then if you do have to apply those skills in an actual life or death scenario, then it's all null and void. Like a good example of what I use when I do my safety brief first first uh first few minutes during the class in the morning as I say that if you can't if however you live your job or or uh live your life, if you're not able to, you know, go in the bathroom and look yourself in the mirror and you know you, you know, let's say that you do carry and you have your firearm concealed on you, if you can't look in the mirror and say, you know, today is the day that I may have to end someone's life in defense of myself or those that I love, then it's all null and void. You're just carrying an overweight paperweight. On your belt that could be potentially used against you because you don't have that heart or that will to continue the fight. And I, and, I think it goes well,
0: beyond that too, though. Ian, you know, I mean, because uh, I love what you just said there, but the other part of that is in today's society, especially. Um, I don't mean to like. Uh, bring up you know the the video games or stuff like that but it seems like life is not as important as it was in uh, another period of time it's just you know we we play these things or do these things where um, it it becomes less important. We don't realize the impact of losing your life. You don't get an extra one. You can't go out there and you get three of them and you get another chance to go uh, buy a med kit or uh, go get another free life by doing something or by just, uh, okay, let me reboot the game and start all over again. You get one life and you're going to take somebody else's life. That's very powerful. Yeah. and uh, Should
1: be. And again, I I explain in my classes that if if you're here just to – put holes in the in, in the cardboard and get a certificate at, at the end of the day and you know um, make some new friends in the class, <clears throat> that's fine. Um, nothing against you. But the last thing I want you to do is leave the class and think to yourself or tell your loved ones that you train in a defensive capacity because you're building a false sense of confidence. And in that situation, you may potentially um, you know be more of a risk than an asset. Uh, you may Uh, again, be like a deer in the headlights. If you are defending yourself or your loved ones or your friends may look to you, you know, as a source of help in that situation. And again, you're going to be more of a liability than anything else. So if you just want to be a gun collector or do competitive shooting, that's awesome. Uh, But I just don't want those same people that if they only want to do that, to think that because they do that, it automatically transfers over to being able to defend yourself, your partner or those that you love, because it's much more than that. You know, it, it, it is very powerful to be able to carry legally a firearm on you that could potentially be used to end another person's life. And for the average law abiding citizen, you know, um, it's it's a much larger picture for those of us who have served in, in the military. Uh, the transfer over isn't um, as I wouldn't say as big as Big of a deal, uh, but there are definitely more things to take into account because obviously overseas in a third country you have, uh, we'll say, less drastic rules of engagement. Over here in the United States, you know, you're, you know, you're going to have to deal with a whole boatload of legalities after the fact. Like e- even if you are one hundred percent in the right, unfortunately, you are going to be, you know, um, guilty un- until proven innocent in that uh, facet obviously if you're overseas um if you have laws, to, um, laws yeah. of armed conflict to to you know to support your decision making process absolutely and yeah. you know you're you're, you're not going to have to deal with uh for the most part you're From not going to deal with a, with a year you know going back and forth to record, you did what you needed to do, you know, for your the, the survival of yourself or, or your teammates. But over here in the states, it's obviously a completely different thing. But when it comes to actually pulling the trigger, um, uh, again, it's a, it's a very powerful thing, and you really have to uh, be one hundred percent in the know um, to actually do that. Yeah, as well,
2: you're not going to be walking down the street in, uh, you know, Los Angeles and shooting someone because they're on a the radio either. To take it to the other yeah. end of the street.
1: Yeah,
2: you know, it, yeah. Just because they're reporting on you, but um, how many people are concealed carrying in the states? Um, what would the numbers be?
1: I I would not know off of, off the top of my head, but it is a it, it for for the most part. I, I think there was a article out a few months ago that that was saying that as of recent, um, the, it is probably the highest that it has ever been. Um and, and for the most part, like up here where I live in New Hampshire, um New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine were all constitutional carry, uh, which mm. New Hampshire recently passed, which means that we don't need a uh quote unquote uh concealed license to carry
0: yeah, basically if you're Georgia is that way and yeah, uh yep. other states, yeah.
1: Yeah, if you're over the age of 21, you can legally walk into a gun store, purchase a, a, a handgun, and conceal it on your person, which, again, <laughs> oh, is well, a... Oh,
0: well, no, I take that back. It's not that, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were going down that path. I thought you were saying open carry and concealed carry, there's no difference. It's just carry. So there's carry yeah. and there's not carry. But you're talking uh-huh. about they can just go in, and if they're over 21, there's no hold of three days or anything like that or no background okay. check.
1: Well, well, I mean, there's, there's still, like, every... Every gun store still does a NICS background check, which NICS is just the the um, the place that they call to do the actual government mm-hmm. background check. So there is still that. It's not like you can just go in and just swipe a, a gun up there. There is still um, legal processes in place to do a proper background check regardless. But it's kind of a double-edged sword because people kind of take those rights for granted and they think that because, you know, they're – Great grandpappy that served in World War Two shot uh, showed them some skills when they were you know eight years old uh, in their backyard applies still
0: yeah. years wow.
1: later, um, yeah. but again I I personally will never. A, force somebody into my class, because again, if their heart isn't there to learn, then it's pointless. They're just going to go through the motions and not learn anything. And B, I'll I'll never say that, you know, there should be state mandated training. And the reason for that is the state mandated training that I've seen so far, it's very archaic and and outdated, and it doesn't apply at all to what the context is of concealed carrying. Um, So, so it is, you know, people say you know it, it, it's a right, it's a Second Amendment right. It sure, but it's also your responsibility to go out there and and get that training. And yeah, again, sure. I do understand that we all have busy lives. We have kids, we have families, we have jobs, and all that. But again, if if you're taking um, the time to load up every day and carry on your person concealed and carrying that in defense of yourself or those that you love, then it absolutely should be vital that you're constantly going out oh, there. It yeah, one hundred percent. You 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 need to have that high performance on demand, regardless, um, because again, you're not going to have a warm up set or walk through of the stage, you know, prior to going outside your house. You know, you have to be able to, um, you know, read the situation and being able to adapt and apply those skills in the moment. So the the fact that there are you know people out there that you know don't come to classes is is you know. Kind of scary. It
0: is. But at the same
1: time, um, you know, I I also think that, you know, there there really shouldn't be those um, extreme restrictions on those law abiding folk, because um, in the in the legislators or the, um, you know, for for those who are making the laws, they think that by making. Um, Gun laws more strict that they're inherently going to make violence stop or reduce violence, when in reality, those bad guys, those criminals, those violent criminal actors aren't the ones going into gun shops and buying guns or getting them off the street, off of a Cadillac down an alleyway with the serial numbers burned or sanded off so
0: it's a black market anytime and i mean you can look at any uh, third world country like that yep. where the black market thrives you take away something the black market grows stronger you know yep. it doesn't matter what it is cigarettes alcohol weapons um you know in many cases that goes back to our early conversation about you know, the, the frequency or the opportunity that may present itself when you go into a different um, state or something of that nature is very small, but yet it could mm. happen. The ability for you to know how to use that weapon, especially if you're going to carry it, is very important. And, and I kind of want to use this time maybe to, to transition over into some of the topics, you know, that Ian, you and I were talking about, which is around finding and making sure that you're, you're honing your skills, whatever it may be, whether it's in um, utilizing the skills that you had from the military experience like you did and parlaying that into a, a role within the private sector uh, or you're currently within the military or within the uh, career field within the civilian side is that you're always trying to improve upon your skill set and never allowing yourself to become very, uh, you know, me- I think you stated it as uh, mediocrity is as a poison. And I think that's that's an important statement in whatever you're doing. And it's part of the concern, especially if we're talking about Carrie, That somebody doesn't just go in and get the basic and doesn't continue improving their skill set and gaining that kind of confidence in whatever they're doing.
1: Yes. Uh, So I feel like regardless of what the context we're talking about, whether we're talking about, you know, carrying a firearm, whether you're a teacher, whether you're, you know, a CEO in business or whether you're in fitness, runner, whatever it is, uh, you should always be striving to improve yourself always pushing yourself and always striving to as it's been said in the past getting comfortable being uncomfortable so the minute that we accept kind of uh, mediocrity as a normalcy in our day-to-day life is we're ultimately accepting our downfall and the reason for that is because it's easy Um, it's really easy to kind of get into that um, oh you know what I'll you know I'll uh Go to the gym tomorrow, or you know what, I'll uh, I'll write up that report tomorrow, or I'll go to the range tomorrow, or um, you know I'll put out that press release tomorrow. Whatever it is, it's, it's 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 a lot easier to put it off than to actually take the time and actually do it. And when it comes down to it, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a struggle. Um, it's going to be hard, but in the end, if you're not constantly pushing yourself you're not constantly pushing that envelope you know past your known plateau then you will ultimately never know or understand what you are capable of because what we're, we're the, the average lifespan is what 85 years and we're not really out on our own we'll say like even in you know, especially in my generation like even in your early 20s you you're really as far as i'm concerned not, uh, you know out on your own. There's a lot of guys that are still um, – guys and gals are still living at home in college and they're still going through college. So I would say not probably until your late 20s or even your early 30s you're actually out on your own um, and you know being a productive individual of society. Obviously, there's um, um, you know red herrings for that nature that there are people that are able to leave home at 18 and, and, and be productive. So I'm not disregarding that. But I'm saying it as an average of a whole – so we only have you know about fifty or so years to actually you know be able to push ourselves and see what we're capable of and in in my mind the way that I look at life i don't I just don't understand a reason why somebody can go through life and um, just be average or just be mediocre it just to me it just doesn't make any sense um, you should again always be uh not hurting, but you should always be in constant strife because that's where, as humans, we learn the best. No one did anything great or worthy to be remembered by staying inside their comfort zone. It always happened <clears throat> outside of that, where we truly learn the best. As far as I'm concerned,
0: you know, hitting more on that subject, um, I think people they feel like they have such an active lifestyle. I mean, and it's probably probably because we put so much. Uh, today on ourselves, whether you know it's uh, family time, it's uh, work, uh, spending time on our phones, whatever the case may be, we tend to fill up the day in some ways. Mm-hmm. From the moment that we wake up all the way into the time that we go to sleep, we're not really shutting off that brain. And so we are looking for those easy fixes. We are looking for those easy solutions that doesn't require a lot of effort uh, because probably we just feel like we're too busy too wore out or whatever the case may be. And um, I I mean, I don't think it matters what the situation is. It seems like that seems to be the the problem all along.
1: Yeah. And that really comes down to where, you know, the United States will say specifically is at a whole. For the most part, you know, we've had many years of fruitfulness, whether it be in our economy, more or less. In regards to war, yes, we have been in you know a constant uh, you know war you know since nine eleven and and even but before that, but for the most part, you know there isn't any active civil war I- in our country, and for the most part, again, regardless of what the biased media says, we are a fairly safe country. So because of that, it's kind of molded us inadvertently into a society thinking that, um, where we are in regards to our lifestyle or our day-to-day work, what we're doing um, in our minds is enough versus where we've come thousands of years ago or even hundreds of years ago where, you know, we were fighting off, you know, the, the black plague, or we were fighting, you know, against depression tribes. Yeah. yeah. The 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 great depression, right, right. Uh, you know, fighting against, you know, rebel clans and tribes across the open tundra against giant woolly mammoths. Obviously, it's a way extreme, but just where we've come as a species to where we are today, where people, you know, complain about having cream or milk in their coffee. So yeah. we, we, we're, we're kind of molding ourselves into a very, unfortunately, um, weak and meager society. And that, um, you know, for me, coming right out of the military – um, that was definitely a hard hurdle for me to mentally get over, uh, because I basically got out two months early of my actual EAS, or for those of you who don't know, it's basically end of active service for the Marine Corps. Uh, so I had about two months of terminal leave saved up. So I got out two months early and basically I went right into the workforce. I had a family friend whose dad was a firefighter, but worked at a construction company on the side. So basically all that summer I worked for him, um, you know, humming, you know, shingles up on tar rooftops, you know, on a nice hutchel July day, and then immediately that fall, I went right into college. So, you know, a 23 year old freshman in in uh in in the same room as 17, 18 year olds who have zero um, perspective of the world, and that was again really hard. I I was, I was very um, sour. I was very tarnished for a bit, just because you know, in my eyes, I expect everybody to have those um, same experiences in me obviously as i um aged and and evolved my own mindset you know i i realized that you know there's no reason that other people have to experience that that wasn't their choice in life and i shouldn't expect that out of other people um so in the end um not that we shouldn't be happy with where we are at as a society because again you know we're able to basically for the most part live uh, safely you know be productive people in america but you also have to have perspective of things where where we've actually come from as a whole and you know not forget that to be able to constantly strive for perfection every single day
2: yeah i think you're right i think uh you know quite what you're saying quite resonates with me um one of the things that i quite often tell people who who i'm you know, mentoring or, or the like is that, you know, the secret to life, it's pretty simple actually. It's a personal development. Yep. And that's what, it, that's, that's what it is for me anyway. That's, that's the secret to life. And I think that you are, as in the individual, the greatest project you will ever undertake. Um, but the thing is, mate, that it gets, it's exacerbated for you because you've been through four years of continuous, you know, deployment and operational service. So, those 18 year olds that, that you're coming across and, and feel sorry for, remember their frame of reference is different.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, they're not, it doesn't mean they're any weaker. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know I, I took I took millennials in a combat. You know, everyone was saying that millennials would be terrible. They were some of the, they were Anzacs. They were some of the most ferocious fighters that we've sent overseas. You know, it's, and I, I don't think society is as damned as, as some people make it out to be. You know, it's just a matter of we need to, you know, well, yeah, I mean, there's 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 different ends of the spectrum on the left and the right. You know, but, in, you know, down the middle, we're all I think I think we're in pretty good shape.
0: I love the I, I love the thing that you just said about uh, we're our greatest uh, project. Uh, I think that's how you stated it, Bram. Is that how you put it?
2: Yeah. You, you're you're you are, you know, the, the life work, you know. Yeah. You're your greatest project you'll ever undertake.
0: I think that's a great way of putting it. I think where some of the challenges happen, it at least it seems like to me, is that... Uh, and I struggle with it uh, with myself when I came off of active service, but it's because I had a very regimented in the military. You know, we, we we have a very disciplined approach to life. We it's pretty much regimented for us. We know when we've got to get up. We know when pretty much we're going to have to go to bed. And, you know, we know where our three meals are going to be and, and those types of things. And so, you know, it tends to affect us when we get out of the uh, service, whenever that may be for trying to find our purpose or our passion And I think one of the things that you can do is uh, you can't think your way into trying to find your purpose a passion a life and what are those things you need to build upon and or your project of yourself and everything. You've really got to live it. You've got to experience it so that you know how then to mold that project in yourself into a better person. You know, we just had Whitney Johnson on our podcast this past week. Regarding disrupt yourself, and what she talked about is that at times you really just got to blow things up and start all over again.
2: Yeah, and the worst thing a, a veteran can do is come back with a projected arrogance that they don't know that they have because they've had operational service. It's a surefire way of never having any uh, clients. You know, you, you need some, you need that humility, and, and you know, hundred percent, especially with what you're doing, and hundred percent, there's a requirement for it, especially that less than lethal training up to you know then using a firearm because that that is an area that's probably you know ripe for the development but with it comes a certain level of humility um, you know for sure
1: yeah and uh, you know that's again that that's kind of one of the biggest issues that I see you know currently from the outside looking into the current veteran culture Is, you know, you hear a lot of veterans complain about the quote unquote snowflakes um, being Mm -hmm. entitled. Right. When in reality, I see a lot of vets that are acting just as entitled as these quote unquote liberal snowflakes. Totally. And that's because they're expecting, um, you know, people to basically roll out the red carpet for them just because, you know, they were in the service, just because they went overseas, just because they lost some brothers. And again... You know, we should definitely take that into consideration, but again, don't let that baseline, don't let what happened to you as it happened as in past tense, define what you're going to be or what you can be in the future. Because again, that's just yes. going to set you up for failure. Never and, let one day define who you are for the rest of your life, mate. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to the, the purpose, um, that can kind of be molded before that into finding your why, And your why will eventually uh, find itself into a purpose. And again, I don't know what everyone's why is. You have to find that out on your own. You have to question it. it. Sounds very Simon Sinek. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think
0: it comes down to a couple basic things, though, doesn't it? It's like, what drives you? What energizes you? What are you willing to sacrifice for, you know, when you start getting and thinking about that? And not only that, but who do you want to help or how do you want to help somebody to me, is a part of that too, in finding that why, because it goes much deeper than just trying to think about it. You've you've really got to, you know, go back and uh, not only think about what you've done, but some of those life experiences that you've had to figure out what are those things that you're willing to sacrifice for, and um, how are you trying to benefit others, not just yourself.
1: Yeah, the the, the actual why should be more than just you know having. A lot of numbers in your bank account. It should be a, in in my opinion, creating some type of legacy that will last long after you're gone. Something that can affect other people, groups of people, that again can be passed along from generation to generation. Once you figure out that why, the why can build itself into a purpose, and once that purpose can build itself into a passion, the passion will drive you to success
0: so many people um, so, have mentioned about what do you want on your mon- uh, on your uh your tombstone what is it that you yeah. want on your tombstone whenever you leave this earth or what is it that you want people to say about you and how is it that you're going to be remembered or are people going to constantly talk about what you did far after you're gone um that la- actually lives on your legacy i mean you think a lot of people within hollywood they do these movies and everything else we may watch a movie that's. 50 years old or something. And, and this is an actor that's been dead for 20 years, but his legacy or the thing that he did within that movie or that time in that moment has now lived on forever. Um, and in life, we've got to think about it much the same way. I know it sounds kind of hokey, but I mean, it's, there's a lot of truth to that.
1: No, um, that's 100% true. Um, too, too often people look immediately at what they're doing or, you know, if they haven't found their purpose yet um, as to solely a money aspect because they're worried about the aesthetics. Um, and that's more than likely because they really don't have a why. So therefore they're pouring whatever they have, their their sadness, despair, whatever you want to call it, into these things because they truly don't have a why. They're just going through the motions of their day-to-day and pawning off Um, You know their ultimate you know in the end sadness on these things the cars the clothing things that don't necessarily matter Um, as hokey as it sounds you know if I could financially support my family and my kids without um, you know charging people money to get the knowledge out there I would just because I I believe in my passion so much just because I believe in um, you know people should have those life-saving skills. Because as far as I'm concerned, nobody um, should have that ability to take from you what's not theirs, whether it be your life or your things.
0: Well, you know, also, though, you can apply that why question to why are you here at the range? Why is it that you believe that you've got to get this additional training? Uh, And don't assume that people are arriving there because they're wanting to get that skill set to gain that confidence. I think some people just uh, might be coming there for various different reasons. And I wouldn't say not all of them are good, but it's more of do they really understand what they're doing? This is a weapon, you know, yeah. and, and uh, what it really means when you pull it out of that holster and uh, that, that you have to have, like you said, you've got to be able to stand in the mirror and look at it. I think the same thing applies too when you're standing there and look in the mirror at your life. You're, you're getting that self-reflection in that moment and realizing what is your why? What are you really doing here? What are you waking up each day? And if you're in that doldrum job that you're just chasing the almighty dollar like you're talking about, then you haven't had that time yet to look in the mirror to question whether or not this is really what you want to be doing.
1: Yeah.
2: You know yeah. what, Ian? I wonder if one of the aspects to to what you love about what you do is in the creation of, hey, we're we going to do this scenario. This scenario will lead to this following end state. You'll then go and it might be a you know run down, crawl, observe, aim, fire multiple targets, get up, move to the next thing, put a weapon together, move to the next thing, and then watching the people's reactions on their faces when they finish that successfully. And I'm actually wondering if some of this for you is the creativity of designing that training because because creativity is one of those things that. Is a lot of our a lot of our ex-service members?
1: Why? Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's more about again seeing that that start to finish, seeing that person that comes to my class that uh, may have just bought the firearm, you know, two weeks before the mm. class started, or seeing the person that's been shooting for twenty years. So we all come in at different skill levels. But it's coming, you know, it's coming to the culmination at the end of the day or at the end of those two days oh, and seeing that that stark difference. Like obviously the person who just started isn't gonna be at isn't gonna be at the same skill level as the person who's been shooting for twenty years, but you'll definitely see that rise in confidence. Cause as I always say, I wish that I could, you know, say that at the end of those eight, sixteen hours, however long it is, that they're able to leave and be, you know, a grandmaster USPSA champion in competitive shooting. But that's just not the reality of it. What I'm able to give you are those skills. And now those skills are yours after you leave the class. Now it's up to you to practice those skills whenever you can to, again, constantly push yourself and refine and define yourself through those um, various drills. And again, I'm not going to be there to hold your hand to say, um, you know, get to the range. You can do it. It's up to you. They're all adults. They, They all have the ability, but it's that will to be able to take that time out of your day and get to the range. And it's also another thing that I'm big on is being able to have the students self-diagnose themselves. Obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome when they keep come back to classes. Um, you know, and obviously my, my wife and my kids appreciate it, but the reality is that they should be able to be able to self-diagnose themselves after coming to one of my classes, being able to go to the range on their own or with their friends. And the minute they, um, you know, if they're, work in pistol or rifle work, the minute they break that shot, they know, oh, I pulled that shot to the left. Um, You know, I didn't mount the rifle correctly. I didn't get a good grip on the pistol. Whatever it is, they should be able to diagnose that on the spot Uh, because, again, that's going to be able to set them up for success so they don't have to constantly, in theory, come back class after class in order for me to – refine certain things they should be able in the end to do that on their own
0: we all come into life in different ways of this right i mean when you start think if you start thinking about everything that you just described i was listening to what you just laid out as far as um how each of us are different we all bring different skill sets and learning um to the range and you know well that's the same thing as it is to life to our job our career you know we each need to continue honing our skills and our knowledge and everything that's the exact same thing some people want to be competitive well, that's the same thing for some people who are wanting to climb the corporate ladder while other people are just wanting to maintain some level of experience uh, and and enjoy life within this particular way. And so you know there's that constant learning, that that growth, that everything and that, and that self-reflection that you were talking about, everything that you just described, should be applied in everyday living and when people who especially have been in the same type of environment of what you're describing within also the military, you should be able to apply that to anything within life. Constantly rethink about how that works, the process that you went through um, to become a better weapons person, to become a better person in the world, in your community, to be a better father, a better mother, to be a better husband, a better whatever. It's the same process.
1: Absolutely. And unfortunately be with a, with a lot of that, um, it takes time, effort and energy
0: and it's hard.
1: Ultimately, you know, it's it's going to be
0: hard. (laughs) It
1: it, it definitely is going to be hard. But uh, another big thing is that it's because it scares people and people allow their fear to define what they could be or what they can be in the future because of fear of, Um, Not being able to complete it initially the fear of how hard it's going to be or a lot of times The majority of the time it's the fear from the opinions of others when obviously as we know that doesn't matter Um, it should be What you want to do and what you want to complete if those people are going to be Negative and pessimistic like I wrote a post about this morning then drop them and again It's easier said than done especially when they're longtime friends and family but in the end by dropping those people you're going to be, live a much healthier and happier life, and be able to execute those goals much more efficiently.
2: Well, it's none of your business what anyone else thinks of you, anyway, mate. Absolutely, this is something that I guess Australian culture just doesn't see the the fact that you have this uh, weapons, you know, this carry, then the training of it. It's a whole vehicle for a whole another level of personal and self development but we we can't even have those conversations here unfortunately um i think i'm probably showing my hand here a little bit uh (laughs) but but, you know it is i mean i mean just because you're going down to a range and you're achieving a certain professional you know excellence at a skill doesn't mean you're going to go out and you know rob a convenience store you know, so, you know, the, the fact is that the, that weapons training and all the other stuff that goes with it is is a vehicle to, to do a whole lot of higher level personal development. And, you know, that's just missing here. in front.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, especially in the, the type of structure that I um, set up, especially if it's a one day class, we'll say, you know, the first half of the morning we'll do specific skills in isolation. And, you know, it's, it's compared to, um, I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It's a big part of my life. Um, I've been doing it for about, um, six years now. And the example that I use, it's not like you're going to take the new guy that's walked off the street into the gym and throw him into a free roll type format. Like, Oh, uh, hopefully you survive, you know, see you at the other end. No, you nice. take that, you take that guy or gal and you put them and learn those skills in isolation. How do uh, do an arm bar, how to, you know, uh, take somebody into mount, so forth and so on. The same thing with a pistol or rifle, how to understand <clears throat> proper grip, stance, trigger isolation, asylum and sight picture. And then once that, again, foundation is laid out and you have we have a good positive idea of how that foundation works, then... You can apply those in scenarios where cognitive processing is involved or having a baseline of athleticism is involved as well. So sprinting, you know, like from the 50 to the five, like I was talking about before, seeing how that elevated heart rate can affect your speed and accuracy. Um, And again, with a lot of the, uh, not with a lot, but with a with a, with a few of the students that I have, they've never experienced that before. They're mm-hmm. those people that go out and just buy the gun and think it's good enough. And you can see them; they're completely gassed out in those certain drills because they, for whatever reason, didn't feel or just haven't taken the time to have that baseline of athleticism. And as I explain, you don't have to be the next CrossFit athlete, you know, to be able to. Um, you know, do what needs to be done. But at the same time, if you're out of breath by walking up a flight of stairs, um, going to another gun class, honestly, is the last thing that you need. Right. Okay? Yeah. I mean, first thing you really
2: want to teach all these people anyway, other than BJJ, because it's just cool. Yeah. Is situational awareness. That's the yes. thing that most civilians are walking around with their heads up their ass. Absolutely. You know, and they walk, walk, walk straight into the wrong spot. You know, they shouldn't yeah. feel like they're in danger anyway. Got it. Get that. But they yeah. still, need very situational awareness.
1: Yep, and uh, and again, it's just an overall culture of us just get being too comfortable, and us unfortunately assuming the best out of people. And and that's not saying that we should go around you know thinking the worst of people, but at the same time, we have to understand the realities of how human beings work. Okay, unfortunately, there are bad people out there. But to completely just set that aside and be ignorant and just say, oh, that'll never happen to me or you know I'm better than that or so forth and so on then you're setting yourself up for failure so just like you said having a general awareness of your surroundings taking information around you is completely free free of charge okay you're not going to get you know charge on your credit card bill for it but because again we're we're comfortable and we let's say we take the same route to work every day or we go to the same spot on lunch break every day and nothing has happened yet we allow ourselves to get into that um, that quote-unquote safe zone in our head where we're impenetrable or we're just not just taking the time to take that free information into consideration.
2: Well, it speeds up your decision-making cycle as well. Um, psychologically speaking, situational awareness is when you're able to um, go back to a certain place and time in your head faster than what you would have otherwise been able to so for instance if there's a crisis management um, manual at your work and it's dusty and next to the photocopier and and you don't know where that is and you're in charge of people you know then, then it's going to take longer for you to go and retrieve that to then go through the processes but if during your morning meeting you walk over to it and pick it up and go hey guys remember this is over here and then people can identify that. Well, every single person in that room now, their situational awareness has increased, and their speed to react to something has, has been increased. Um, as you can, as you could expect, because we don't have any weapons to walk around with, we're pretty good at the situational awareness gig. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and you know, it's it's definitely more, like you said, about taking in that that information, being able to process a lot faster. But it's also, um, if necessary, to get on a somewhat primal level, if necessary, being able to, you know, utilize things in your immediate environment in defense Mm -hmm. of yourself or, you know, your, um, your coworkers. So, you know, being able to look at a pair of scissors and look at them um, you know if necessary in a deadlier type fashion knowing that I can stick this in somebody if I need to or I can use you know a fire extinguisher as a blunt object if I need to but again because it's a lot of times that stuff is very primal and again as a society where we think that we're above that we don't need to go down to that level um, that a lot of people don't even think about that uh, that frame of reference because it's below them in in their mind. Uh but again for those of us who have served in the military, um, you know, that's for the most part kind of natural because again, um there are times when you do need to be primal
0: in your own survival. Agreed. Ian a People are going to be uh, listening to this podcast, and they're going to be saying, okay, um, how is it that I can uh, learn more about what you're doing and the the work that you're doing together with Drew? And so maybe it'll be helpful for you to share a little bit about how they can follow you and either on social media or learn more about some of the training that you're doing. And again, it goes beyond just the the weapons training. A lot of the stuff that you're doing, too, and the guidance that you're providing is a lot around mindset development. So I think growth mindset is really huge, and they're going to want to know a little bit more about that.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, so uh, for those of you who uh, do want to follow me um, on social media, I do have an Instagram and a Facebook. Um, I try to be more active on Instagram more than anything else just because I feel like I have a more uh, positive and uh, more positive following on there. So it's just uh, my company, which is Rune. Nation LLC, that's R U N E N A T I O N That's both the same on Facebook and Instagram. My website is the same, RuneNationLLC.com. Um, the email RunationLLC@gmail. RuneNationLLC at Gmail. And um, I am also involved uh, with a collaborative group of e- experts from varying forms of uh, walks of life whether it be in a soft capacity, law enforcement, or um, in um, fitness or psychology, and that's at Greyhive, uh, greyhive.com. Uh, we're, like I said, a collaborative group of, of experts that are just trying to put out good quality information for this community in space, and uh, all that information can be found on there. Uh, when it comes to just um big thing that I'm on is mindset development. Because, again, I, I feel like too too many people rely specifically on the hardware without looking at the software component because, obviously, you need a software to support it. And um, that's something I personally strive for every single day. I try to put out you know a positive uh, post at, at least once a day or, or at least talk about it through uh, blogs as well uh, because, again, I feel too many people out there aren't f- um, fully living – their life to the utmost potential because they feel that they're stuck in this space, whether we're talking about veterans or even, uh, citizens. Uh, they just feel that they're, they're kind of stuck in a rut and there's no way, um, to get out. And I try to fight that as best as I can, uh, through putting out positive messages. Uh, because in the end, Happiness will drive your success. If you're not happy with what you're doing, uh, then all that money and all the crap that you're buying, it's all null and void. Um, and happiness may mean a, a pay cut. It may mean downsizing a house. Maybe It may mean getting rid of a car. Um, but if you're not happy with yourself or the way that your life, your family life, your your job life is going, um, then you're going to live, unfortunately, in unfilled life or in unfulfilled life. Um, so by again, constantly searching for your why and being able to find your purpose, uh, you will eventually um, find that success. And again, it may take time. It's going to take energy. Um, There's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some failures. But again, it's all stuff that will make you better as an individual, make you stronger. Uh, Because as we all know, anybody who created something great um, didn't do it without going through those trials and tribulations.
0: Yeah. Wisdom comes from making mistakes. So uh, people, absolutely people tend to forget that aspect of it. Ian, appreciate you coming on, man. It's always good to uh, to talk to, to friends of friends. And, and in this case, uh, you need to, next time you see Drew, kick him in the butt, because I haven't seen him in quite some time on the podcast and he needs to get back on here and join us. I will. Definitely. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. Hey everyone, Robert here. I love supporting veteran-owned companies, and Mentors for Military recently partnered with Skeleton Optics to offer a 10% discount to our listeners. That's right, 10%. These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way, the frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss vision lenses. Use the code mentors for mil or Mentors4MIL at skeletonoptics.com and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.